Book four, chapter eight of the history of Sir Richard Carmody. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Anne Fletcher, Richmond, Tasmania, two thousand and twenty. The history of Sir Richard Carmody by Lucas Mallet. Book four, chapter eight. A manifestation of the spirit brockhurst house had slumbered all day long in the steady warmth of the july sun the last three weeks had been rainless so that the short turf of the uplands began to grow crisp and discoloured while the resinous scent of the fir forest at once stimulating and soothing was carried afar out over the sloping cornfields and low-lying pastures above the stretches of purple budding heather and waste sandy places upon the moors the heat haze danced and quivered as do vapours arising from a furnace along the underside of the great woods and in the turn of the valleys shadows lingered which were less actual shadows than blottings of blue light the birds busy feeding wide-mouthed hungry fledglings had mostly ceased from song but the drowsy hum of bees and the chirrup of grasshoppers was continuous and told very pleasantly of the sunshine and large plenty reigning out of doors for catherine the day in question had passed in martha-like occupations a day of organising of ordering and countermanding a day of much detail much interviewing of heads of departments a day of meeting respectful objections enlightening thick understandings and gently reducing decorously opposing wills commissariat transport housing of guests and the servants of guests all these entered into the matter of the coming wedding to compass the doing of all things not only decently and in order but handsomely and with a becoming dignity this required time and thought and so it was not until after dinner that catherine found herself at leisure to cease taking thought for the morrow too tired to rest herself by reading she wandered out on to the troco ground followed by camp london had not altogether suited the bulldog as the summer wore on now in his old age so considerable a change of surroundings put him about both in body and mind seeing which richard had begged his mother to take the dog with her on leaving town camp benefited unquestionably by his return to country air his coat stared less he carried his ears and tail with more sprightliness and conviction still he fretted after his absent master and followed catherine's footsteps very closely his forehead more than ever wrinkled and his unsightly mouth pensive notwithstanding its perpetual grin he attended her now squatting beside her when she paused trotting slowly beside her when she moved a silent persistent and as it might seem somewhat fatally faithful companion yet the occasion was to all appearances far from fateful the night and the scene alike being very fair the moon had not yet risen but a brightness behind the saw-like edge of the fir-woods eastward heralded its coming while sufficient light yet remained in the western and northern sky for the mass of the house its ruddy walls and ranges of mullioned windows its pierced stone parapets and stacks of slender twisted chimneys to be seen with a low-toned distinctness of form and colour infinitely charming soft and rich as velvet 
it rose with a certain noble serenity above its terraces and fragrant red-walled gardens under the enormous dome of the tranquil far-off evening sky every aspect of this place in rain and shine summer and winter from dawn to dark and round to dawn again was familiar to catherine carmody coming here first as a bride the homely splendour of the house and the gladness of its situation crowning the ridge of the hill appealed strongly to her imagination later it sheltered her long sorrow following so hard on the heels of her brief joy but in both alike during all the vicissitudes of her thought and of her career the face of brockhurst remained as that of a friend kindly beneficent increasingly trusted and beloved and so she had come to know every stick and stone of it from spacious vaulted cellar to equally spacious low-roofed sun-dried attic the outlook from each window the character of each room the turn of each stairway the ample proportions of each lobby and stairhead all the pleasant scents and sounds and colours that haunted it both within and without it might have been supposed that after so many years of affectionate observation and commerce brockhurst could have no new word in its tongue could hold no further self-revelation for lady carmody yet as she passed now from the arcaded garden hall supporting the eastern bay of the long gallery on to the level green square of the troco ground and stood gazing out over the downward sloping park the rough short turf of it dotted with ancient thorn-trees and broken by beds of bracken and dog-roses to the long water glistening like some giant mirror some quarter-mile distant in the valley she became sensible of a novel element in her present relation to this place for the first time in all her long experience she was at brockhurst quite alone the house was vacant even of a friend for julius march had rather to catherine's surprise selected just this moment for the paying of his yearly visit to a certain college friend a scholarly and godly person now rector of a sleepy country parish away in the heart of the great midlandshire grasslands catherine experienced a momentary sense of injury at his going yet perhaps it was as well between the turmoil of the past london season the coming turmoil of the wedding and the large and serious issues which that wedding involved this time of solitude might be salutary to catherine just now it seemed as a bridge carrying her over from one way of life to another a but slightly known country lay ahead solitude and self-recollection are good for the soul if it would possess itself in peace the fair brightness of the indwelling light had not been obscured in her during these months devoted to the world and to society but it was inevitable that her consciousness of it and consequently its clear shining should have suffered diminution at times the eager pressure of things to be done things to be seen of much conversation the varied pageant of modern life perpetually presented to her eyes and her intelligence could not but crowd out the spiritual order somewhat of late she had had only time to smile upon her god in passing instead of spending long hours within the courts of his temple this she knew it troubled her a little she desired to return to a condition of more complete self-collectedness 
and so the first movement of surprise past she hailed her solitude as a means of grace and strove in sweet sincerity to make good use of it and yet since the human heart if sound and wholesome hungers even when penetrated by godward devotion for some fellow-creature on whom to expend its tenderness catherine just now regretted to be alone the scene was so beautiful she would gladly have had some one look on it beside herself and share its charm then thoughts of the future obtruded themselves how would little constance quail view brockhurst would it claim her love would she embrace the spirit of it and make it not only the home of her fair young body but the home of her guileless heart catherine yearned in spirit over this girl standing on the threshold of all the deeper experiences of a woman's life of those amazing revelations which marriage holds for an innocent and modest maiden but oh how lovely are such revelations when the lover is also the beloved catherine moved on a few paces the thought of all that even now at forty-eight cut her a little too sharply it was not wise to call up visions of joys that are dead she would think of something else so she told herself as she paused in her rustling grey dress upon the dry gravel path the surface of which still sensibly held the warmth of the sun while camp squatted soberly on his haunches beside her but at first only worrying thoughts responded to her call it was not quite kind surely of julius to have left home just now it was a little inconsiderate of him if she dwelt on the thought of that clearly it would vex her so it must be banished reynolds the housekeeper had really been very perverse about the turning of the two larger china closets into extra dressing-rooms for the week of the wedding and clara showed an inclination to back her up in opposition of course the maids would give in they always did and that without any subsequent attempt at small reprisals still the thought of that too was annoying and must be banished at dinner she had received a singular letter from honoria st quentin it contained what appeared to catherine as rather over-urgent protestations of affection and offers of service if at any future time she the writer could be of use the letter was charming in its slight extravagance but it struck catherine as incomprehensibly penitent in tone the letter of one who has not treated a friend quite loyally and is hot with anxiety to atone it was dated this morning too and must have been posted at some surprisingly early hour to have thus reached brockhurst by the day mail lady calmady did not quite relish the missive somehow notwithstanding its affection it lacked the perfection of personal dignity which had pleased her heretofore in honoria st quentin she felt vaguely disappointed and it followed that this thought therefore must go along with the rest for she refused to be disquieted she would compel herself to be at peace so putting these small sources of discomfort from her as unworthy both of her better understanding and of this fair hour and fair place catherine yielded herself wholly to the influences of her surroundings the dew was rising promise of another hot clear day to-morrow and along with it rose a fragrance of wild thyme from the grass slopes immediately below 
that fragrance mingled with the richer scents of jasmine fully cupped july roses scarlet trumpet-flowered honeysuckle tall lilies and great wealth of heavy-headed clove carnations veiling the red walls or set in the trim borders of the gardens behind a strangely belated nightingale still sang in the big portugal laurel beside the quaint pepper-pot summer-house in the far corner of the troco ground where the twenty-foot brick wall dips in steps of well-set masonry to the grey three-foot balustrade she never remembered to have heard one sing so late in the summer the bird was answered moreover by another singer from the coppice bordering the trout stream which feeds the long water way across the valley in each case the song was note for note the same but the chant of the near bird was hotly urgent in its passion of wooing and winning while the song of the answerer came chastened and etherealized by distance a fox barked sharply on the left out in the warren and the churring of the night-jars as they flitted hither and thither over the beds of bracken and dog-roses like gigantic moths on swift silent wings formed a continuous accompaniment as of a spinning-wheel to the other sounds never as she watched and listened had the genius of brockhurst appeared more potent or more enthralling for a space she rested in it asking nothing beyond that which sight and hearing could give it was very good to breathe the scented air and be lulled by the inarticulate music of nature it was good to cease from self and from all individual striving to become a part merely of the universal movement of things a link merely in the mighty chain of universal being but such an impersonal attitude of mind cannot last long least of all in the case of a woman catherine's heart awoke and cried again for some human object on which to expend itself some kindred intelligence to meet and reflect her own oh were she but better more holy and more wise these cravings would doubtless not assail her the worship of the indwelling light would suffice and she would cease from desire of the love of any creature but she had not journeyed so far upon the road of perfection yet as she sadly told herself far from it the nightingale sang on sang of love not far hence not far above not within the spirit only but here warm immediate and individual and do what she would the song brought to her mind such love as she herself had known it during the few golden months of her marriage of meetings at night sweet and sacred of partings sweet and sacred too at mornings of secret delights of moments at once pure and voluptuous known only to virtuous lovers it was not often that remembrance of all this came back to her save as a faint echo of a once clear-sounding voice indeed she had supposed it all laid away for ever done with even as the bright colours it had once so pleased her to wear were laid away in high mahogany presses that lined one side of the lofty state bedroom upstairs but now remembrance laid violent hands on her shaking both mind and body from their calm the passion of the bird's song the caressing suavity of the summer night 
the knowledge too that so soon another bride and bridegroom would dwell here at brockhurst worked upon her strangely she struggled with herself surprised and half angered by the force of her own emotion and pleaded at once against and for the satisfaction of the immense nostalgia which possessed her oh it's bitter very bitter to have had at once so much and so little bow my proud neck o lord to thy yoke if my beloved had but been spared to me i had never walked in darkness far from the way of faith and my child had never suffered bodily disfigurement perfect me o god even at the cost of further suffering it is sad to be shut away from the joys of my womanhood while my life is still strong in me break me o lord even as the ploughshare breaks the reluctant clod hold not thy hand till the work be fully accomplished and the earth be ready for the sowing which makes for harvest give me back the beloved of my youth the beloved of my life if only for an hour teach me to submit show me beyond all dread of contradiction that vows truly made hold good even in that mysterious world beyond the grave show me that though the body dear home and vehicle of love may die yet love in its essence remains everlastingly conscious faithful and complete bend my will to harmony with thine o lord and cleanse me of my self-seeking oh but still let me see his face once again once again o oh my god and i will rebel no more let me look on him once again if only for a moment and i shall be content hear me i am greatly troubled i am athirst i faint catherine's prayer which had risen into audible speech sank away into silence the near nightingale had fallen silent also but from across the valley chastened and etherealized by distance still came the song of the answering bird to catherine those fine and delicate notes were full of promise they bore testimony to the soul which dwells for ever behind the outward aspect and sense whether she fainted in good truth or whether she passed for a while into that sublimated state of consciousness wherein the veils of habit cease to blind and something of the eternal essence and values of things is revealed perception overstepping for once the limits of ordinary earth-bound apprehension and transcending ordinary circumscription of time and place she could not tell nor did she greatly care for a great peace descended upon her accompanied by a gentle yet penetrating expectancy she stood very still her feet set on the warm gravel the night air wrapping about her as with a fragrant garment the ghostly sweetness of that far-away bird-song in her ears while momentarily the conviction of the near presence of the man who had so loved her and whom she had so loved deepened within her and therefore it was without alarm without any shock of amazement that gradually she found her awareness of that presence change from something felt to something actually seen he came towards her that first richard calmady her husband and lover across the smooth green levels of the troco ground which lay dusky in the mingling half-lights of the nearly departed sunset and the rising moon as he had come to her a hundred times in life 
back from the farms or the moorlands, from sport or from business, or from those early morning rides, the clean freshness of the morning upon him after seeing his racehorses galloped. He came bareheaded, in easy workmanlike garments, short coats, breeches, long boots and spurs. He came with the repose of movement which is born of a well-knit frame and a temperate life and the grace of gentle blood. He came with the half-smile on his lips and the gladness in his eyes when they first met hers, which had always been there, however brief the parting. And Catherine perceived it was just thus our beloved dead must needs return to us, should they return at all, laying aside the splendours of the spirit in tenderness for mortal weakness. Even as the Christ laid aside the visible glory of the Godhead and came a babe among men, so must they come in humble everyday fashion, graciously taking on the manner and habit common to them during earthly life. Therefore she suffered no shrinking but turned instinctively as she had turned a hundred times, laughing very softly in the fullness of content, raising her hands and throwing back her head, knowing that he would come behind her and take her hands in his and kiss her, so, bending down over her shoulder. And when he came, she did not need to speak, but only to gaze into the well-beloved face, familiar, yet touched, as it seemed to her, with a mysterious and awful beauty, beholding which she divined the answer to many questions. For she perceived, as one waking from an uneasy dream perceives the comfortable truth of day, that her love was not given back to her, for the dear reason that her love had never been taken away. The fiction of time ceased to rule in her, so that the joy of bride and new-wed wife the strange, sweet perplexities of dawning motherhood were with her now, not as memories merely, but as actual, ever-present, deathless fact, the culminating and therefore permanent revelation of her individual experience. She perceived this continued, and must continue, since it was the fine flower of her nature, the unit of her personal equation, the realization of the eternal purpose concerning her of Almighty God. This fiction of old age was discredited. So was the bitterness of deposition, the mournful fiction of being passed by and relegated to the second place. Her place was her own, her standing ground in the universal order, a freehold, absolute and inalienable. She could not abdicate her throne, neither could any wrest it away from her. She perceived that not self-effacement but self-development, not dissolution but evolution, was the service required of her, and as divinely designed contribution to that end was every joy, every sorrow laid upon her, since by these was she differentiated from all others, by these was she built up into a separate existence, sane, harmonious and well-proportioned, a fair lamp lighted with a burning coal from off the altar of that God of whom it is written, not only that he is a consuming fire, but that he is love. All this and more did Catherine apprehend, beholding the familiar yet mysterious countenance of her well-beloved, and the tendency of that apprehension made for tranquillity of spirit, for a sure and certain hope. 
the faculty which reasons and demands explanation and proof might not be satisfied but that higher faculty which divines accepts and believes assuredly was so nor could it be otherwise since it is the spirit the idea not the letter which giveth life how long she stood thus in tender and illuminating though wordless communion with the dead catherine did not know the deepest spiritual experiences like the most exquisite physical ones are to be measured by intensity rather than duration for a space the vision sensibly held her the so ardently desired presence there incontestably beside her a personality vivid and distinct yet in a way remote serene as the immense dome of the cloudless sky chastened and etherealized as the song of the answering nightingale and in this differing from any bodily presence as the song in question differed from that of the bird in the laurel close at hand gradually and with such sense of refreshment as one enjoys who bathing in some clear stream at evening washes away all soil and sweat of a weary journey catherine awoke to more ordinary observation of her material surroundings she became aware that the dog camp had turned singularly restless he slunk away as though wishing to avoid her near neighbourhood crawled back to her with dragging hindquarters cringing and whining as though in acute distress and by degrees another sound obtruded itself speaking of haste and effort notably at variance with the delicate and gracious stillness it came from the high road crossing the open moor which loomed up a dark straight ridge against the southern horizon it came in rising and falling cadence but ever nearer and nearer increasingly distinct increasingly urgent the fast steady trot of a horse the moon meanwhile had swept clear of the saw-like edge of the fir forest and while the thin white light of it broadened upon the dewy grass and the beat of the horse-hoofs rang out clearer and clearer catherine was aware that the dear vision faded and grew faint as it had come softly without amazement or fear so it departed without agitation or sadness of farewell leaving catherine profoundly consoled the glory of her womanhood restored to her in the indubitable assurance that what had been of necessity continued and for ever was and therefore she still listened but idly to the approaching sound not reckoning with it as yet though the roll of wheels was now added to the rapid beat of the hoofs of the trotting horse it had turned down over the hillside by the cross-road leading to the upper lodge suddenly it ceased the shout of a man's voice loud and imperative a momentary pause then the clang of heavy iron gates swinging back into place and once again the roll of wheels and that steady urgent determined trot coming nearer and nearer down the elm avenue whose stately rows of trees looked as though made of ebony and burnished silver in the slanting moonlight on it came across the bridge spanning the glistering whiteness of the long water and on again steadily and no less rapidly as though pressed by the hand of a somewhat merciless driver hot to arrive bearer of stirring tidings up the steeply ascending hill to the house lady carmody listened beginning to question whom this nocturnal disturber of the peace of brockhurst might be but only vaguely as yet 
since that which she had recently experienced was so great so wide-reaching in its meaning and promise that for the moment it dwarfed all other possible all other imaginable events the gracious tranquillity which enveloped her could not be penetrated by any anxiety or premonition of momentous happenings as yet it was not so however with camp for a spirit of extravagant and unreasoning excitement appeared to seize on the dog forgetful of age of stiff limbs and short-coming breath he gambled around lady carmody describing crazy circles upon the grass and barking until the unseemly din echoed back harshly from against the great red and grey facade he fawned upon her abject yet compelling and at last as though exasperated by her absence of response turned tail and bounded away through the garden hall and along the terrace disappearing through the small arched side door into the house and there within stir and movement became momentarily more apparent shifting lights flashed out through the many-paned windows as though in quick search of some eagerly desired presence nevertheless for a little space catherine lingered the fragrance of the wild thyme and of the fair gardens still about her the somnolent churring of the night-jars and faint notes of the nightingale's song still saluting her ears it was so difficult to return to and cope with the demands of ordinary life for had she not been caught up into the third heaven and heard words unspeakable unlawful in their entirety for a living man to utter but things terrestrial in this case as in so many other cases refused to make large room for or brook delay from things celestial two servants came out hurriedly from that same arched side door then clara that devoted handmaiden called from the window of the red drawing-room her ladyship's there on the troco ground don't you see mr winter the butler hurried along the terrace and catherine met him on the steps of the garden hall is anything wrong winter she asked kindly for the trusted servant betrayed unusual signs of emotion am i wanted sir richard has returned my lady he said and his voice trembled sir richard is in the gun-room he gave orders that your ladyship should be told that he would be glad to speak to you immediately End of chapter 8 of book 4